Welcome back. New week, new episode with uh, me, Rudy, your host. Hey, and I'm Sheldon, the founder and CEO of Sugarcane. And we are here to give you some more fun, sweet, sweet information about crypto. The tastiest. <laughs> Continuing from last week is miners and nodes and how that all works and how they come into an agreement. Yeah. And I have something I was thinking about, like, how do we, how, what else in life do we all have to kind of have to have a witness of or agree on to kind of show validity. Yep. Typically we're used to having some type of entity to say this is good. Yeah. Like a deed to your house. Like there is paperwork that the government signs saying, yep, this person owns this house. But in a more human level, community level, there's I like to compare it to like marriage. Back in the day, in the Renaissance times, king and queen want to marry their prince or princess. There used to be a big ceremony for that. The whole town used to know about it. This was something that everyone would know because everyone would attend. Everyone would watch. The church would be there. The highest levels of royalty would be there. This was all confirmed through a consensus of all parties and all witnesses agreeing that these two people are married. And today's day, you similarly still have that. I mean, today you can't get married without, at least in most states that I know of, you can't get married without a witness. Someone has to be there to watch you sign and watch the local uh, municipality sign those documents saying these two people are going to get married. Mm -hmm. That's almost like what miners and nodes do. Like, I, I want to hear your take, Sheldon, on a technical standpoint of how does that relate into what miners are doing. Miners knows they get married. That's all. It's all love. That's <laughs> <laughs> all love. No, it's love. all love here. <laughs> yeah, no. Nah, so um, the, the kind of role of the miners um, in the context of proof of work and nodes in the context of proof of stake, kind of talked about last week. You can talk more about it this week. Um, but it's really just about coming to an agreement about the state of the world, right? So we keep talking about how there's a ledger or a state of transactions or state of accounts and balances. Um, and then I transfer five Bitcoin from me to you. And now you have five Bitcoin, that ledger or that state of the world got updated to show that Rudy now has five Bitcoin. He's rich. And Sheldon now has five less Bitcoin. He's a lot poor. So <laughs> that's kind of the, the role of um, miners and nodes in, in, those, in that scenario. Basically come to agreement that everyone agrees that this new state of the world is now showing that Rudy has five Bitcoin and Sheldon has five less Bitcoin. So that's kind of the context of witnessing that everyone witnesses that that transaction occurred. And because I love you and I send you some of that Bitcoin, <laughs> everyone will know that it's true yeah. through this mechanism. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so then they're confirming this consensus. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, for me, it took me a while to even know what the word consensus meant. Yeah. You'd hear it. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. I'm just slow with words. I feel like yeah. I need an explanation <laughs> for everything. But yeah, totally are. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, for this consensus, it's just a collective agreement between, yeah. in this case, computers that are viewing these transactions and collectively agreeing that these are legitimate transactions. Mm. But in the complexity of it, like, what are they actually agreeing on? Yeah. So it's going to start with Bitcoin, Ethereum first. I'll let you take a pick. I think Bitcoin is a good one to start off of because it's a little bit simpler yeah but then we'll go into the ethereum side of things 
All right, cool. Yeah. So um, in, in the Bitcoin case, uh, their consensus algorithm, kind of fancy words to say how they all agree, how all the nodes, all the, all the miners agree on the state of the world. It's called proof of work. And there's roughly, I think it's like 10 to 15,000 nodes across the world running um, Quick Bitcoin question miners. though. What, oh, what's the difference between a node and a miner? Yeah. So it's just the consensus algorithm used, right? So um, in the context of Bitcoin, it's they're called miners because they're mining. That's kind of a funny word, but like they're actually like running calculations, running complex mathematical calculations to produce what's called a hash or kind of like a key or like a secret to like be the one to approve the next state of the world. Um, but in the context of Ethereum, they're called nodes because in proof of stake, there's no mining. It's actually just everyone is um, a node and a separate piece of the network. And they're running, because uh, this is algorithm proof of stake, they basically come to some agreement on the world. Nice. Yeah. And nodes are like, yeah, pretty much locations, like a pinpoint yeah. that's scattered across the globe. Yeah. If you think about like connected dots, you know how like there's all these little dots that with numbers on them and there's like little lines between them. And like, mm -hmm. if you're a little kid, you got, you went to like a restaurant, you got like a paper and you have the, like the, the dots and the lines. <laughs> um, you can think about like things. all the nodes, <laughs> yeah, all the nodes in the network are those little dots, right? And they're all single pieces of computers that are running something in the context of a Bitcoin. They're running a mining algorithm, like produce hashes. And in the context of Ethereum, they're um, nodes and they're actually um, participating in the kind of consensus algorithm per stake. That's the context of difference between the two. Cool. And now that we're used, now we're back into Bitcoin's reference of miners who are yep. agreeing on these transactions that are happening. So when I send you a transaction in, in yep. Bitcoin world, there are miners who are receiving these transactions and doing complex algorithm, algorithms to prove that this address is legitimate in their network and is legitimately sending Bitcoin. And I genuinely have it. I'm not like faking how much Bitcoin I have. Mm -hmm. And I actually am making sure that is true due to what was happened previously in the Bitcoin world. It kind of checks, right? Like it checks what happened last day and it continues on to the next day. So if someone was trying to be malicious and edit a certain state of Bitcoin, be very mm -hmm. difficult because it would break the consensus and that would just be booted. That wouldn't, that wouldn't work. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I think also something to make reference is that like a block is made up of a set of transactions. So there's like a set of transactions that occurred in that kind of snapshot of time. And it's also like kind of a state of accounts, right? As basically like balances in that state of time. Right. So every block, again, is a collection of all the transactions that occurred in that particular period of time. So in the context of Bitcoin, it's like 10 minutes. In the context of Ethereum, it's about uh, 12 seconds. They take all the transactions that occurred, they put them all together and they update the balances of each person. So like in the context, let's say I send the transaction to you to send that five Bitcoin. That transaction, that actual action that, got, that, that occurred would be stored as well as the balance change of you, Rudy, getting plus five, me, Sheldon, getting minus five. And if we we're using the Bitcoin blockchain to, to, to do that transaction, um, the miners that are all different computers in this network, they're basically competing to produce a number, right? So they run an algorithm, complex mathematical operation to produce a number, right? And the number has to be um, kind of a technical detail, but it has to be below a certain threshold, a certain like limit, right? And the algorithm basically randomly generates a number randomly, randomly, randomly. And each time you randomly generate a number, if it's below this threshold, 
that means you're the one that got the perfect number and you can actually produce, you can be the one to propose your next block. You can be the one to say, hey, this block that I collected all the transactions from, this is the next state of the world, right? Mm. And if, you, if you're not the one that has got the number that is below the threshold, um, you can't actually say the, you can't um, produce the block. And the reason why people create these blocks is because they get rewarded by the network. So kind of the way that blockchains work is that each person, each network, each node in the network produces a block and they get rewarded from the network for doing that action because they're supporting the network. Yeah, that makes sense for, to, yeah, for the term mining too, because as you're doing these actions, it's kind of like you're physically mining for gold. You're going through yeah. this tunnel and you're digging and digging in the network of transactions and the Bitcoin network rewards and brings more Bitcoin into the ecosystem because there's 21 million total that can never be created, but there isn't 21 million out now. The miner's right. job is to look for them by mm -hmm. confirming transactions as a reward. Yeah. That makes sense. Now for Ethereum's sake, they were in a similar phase of proof of work. Now they're in proof of stake and they're using nodes instead of miners. How does that compare with proof of work? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So one thing you said um, that I actually want to touch upon in the Bitcoin case um, is that everyone knows it's kind of there's 21 million hard cap in Bitcoin. And every four years, the amount of Bitcoin that gets created gets cut in half. So like if I'm the one that created a block and I submit that to the blockchain, I get rewarded. And so every four years, the amount that I would get rewarded gets cut in half. And so kind of the the the... What ends up happening is that asymptotically, kind of like it, eventually the number will kind of slowly curve over until the it maxes at 21 million. That's kind of the one thing I just wanted to bring up just because I don't think people actually understand how the 21 million hard cap um, gets created just by the fact that like rewards that get slowly diminished over time. Mm -hmm. um, the fun thing too is if you ever lose any Bitcoin, like the stories of someone losing their hard drive with like 5,000 yeah. Bitcoin in it. That's gone forever. There's no recovering that. So it's like 21 million minus 5,000 in yeah. the system. So it's getting more scarce due to human error. Yeah. <laughs> We're just like losing their their computers or like the computers getting destroyed with the keys that can actually access yep. the account. <laughs> um, yeah. So that was the context for the 21 million hard cap. But like talking about Ethereum and kind of difference is that now in the Ethereum world that in, again, October of last year, uh, 2022, when they transitioned from proof of work to proof of stake, um, each of the nodes in the network, they put up a certain amount of Ethereum. So currently you have to put up 32 Ethereum as almost like a bond or like a like a collateral to say, hey, I'm going to be a good actor in the system. And if I don't become a good actor, you can take my money from me. Right. So anyone can basically take a take 32 ETH, put that up as collateral. And now they get a certain um, percentage chance of being the one to get rewarded for producing the next block in the system. And if you don't produce a correct block, if you say, hey, Rudy decided to send Sheldon 10 ETH when, or 10, 10 Bitcoin, 10 Ethereum, when that actually didn't happen, um, the actual network basically checked that that transaction that showed that Rudy never sent Sheldon 10 ETH, never occurred, and Rudy is actually the one that still has the 10 ETH. Now the 32 Ether that I put up as collateral, as the bond, um, can get slashed or can get cut in half um, because I was a bad actor in that scenario. That's how we can move from like having everyone compete, being the ones that produce the correct number, the hash in the proof of work context, to now 
everyone is still a good actor because they have money on the line of losing if they don't become a good actor. If they don't if they do something bad. And that helps out against I guess people who are just massively rich whales who have gotten early and have like thousands and thousands of ETH. Yep. They can host a bunch of nodes, but they still would be it would not be in their own best interest to try to maliciously attack the network. Yeah. Yeah. So in, in the case of Ethereum, it's actually technically more secure than Bitcoin just because the attack vector or the ways in which the Ethereum network can get attacked are kind of limited because like you have to put up money to be a part of the Ethereum network. And if you do something bad in the Ethereum network, you actually can get slashed. That money gets taken away from you. So you don't actually have access to that anymore. But in the Bitcoin case, if you were to buy, let's say, 50% of total computational power on the Bitcoin network, like say you bought a bunch of a big warehouse full of um, ASICs, like the computers that are used to create um, Bitcoin uh, hashes. Let's say I bought enough that I was actually able to control half the network. There's nothing against um, or stopping me from constantly doing bad things if I have enough computation. That's because there's no one can take my hardware from me, right? Um, but in the Ethereum context, they can slash your money and take your money from you. So you can't keep attacking. That's why Ethereum technically is actually more secure than Bitcoin. That makes sense. And yeah. for Ethereum's case also, there is no hard limit of how much Ethereum can exist. But they've introduced an interesting method of burning Ethereum during transactions to kind of kind of keep it almost at bay, a balance of what is yeah. needed to keep the network alive and thriving. Can you go into a little bit about that <laughs> since we went into the 21 million? Yeah, you're, you're opening a whole bunch of can of worms that are, that uh, are fun. Sorry, so. <laughs> keep, it, keep it small. Keep it small. We have way more episodes to show out. Yeah, uh, small history lesson back in... Uh, August of 2021, um, something called EIP 1559, so 1559. Just an upgrade to the network. Ethereum introduced something that allowed for amount of Ethereum people spend to actually produce transactions or to actually get the transaction into the network. Um, get slashed or like uh, take a quick take a quick step back. Um, whenever again in the context of let's say I want to send you five Ethereum or five Bitcoin. Um, not only do I have to basically broadcast that, hey, I, Sheldon, am moving five Bitcoin from me to you. I also have to pay a small amount of money, kind of like a tip or tax. Um, this is called gas in the context of Bitcoins or in the context of blockchains. So I have to pay a small amount to the miners to basically include the context of my ETH transaction. Or Bitcoin. Yeah, in the context of ETH, in both of them. Both of them. Ah, um, okay. you, have to, you have to pay gas. You have to pay um, some type of tax right, to, to get your transaction included into a block, right? And what happens is that people can actually pay more money to basically be guaranteed that their transaction gets included faster into the network, right? Mm. So we can dive into the transactions and gas um, in another episode as well. But um, Ethereum, kind of bringing back to full circle, is um, Ethereum introduced a mechanism to actually reduce the amount of Ethereum in circulation if there's a lot of activity. Right. So like if there are a bunch of people who want to actually get their blocks included into uh, get, get the transactions into included into a block, what happens is that people tend to pay more to actually get their transactions included. And so what happens in the Ethereum context, the actual network can recognize that more money is being paid and it can actually like slash or actually like basically instead of paying the fee or the amount that people pay directly to the miners, it can actually just 
remove it or like take it away from the system. So the Ethereum network technically doesn't have a cap as to how much Ethereum can get created, created, but it also it's it's almost like a damping factor. It can actually reduce the amount of um, Ethereum in circulation. And there's actually come, there's a bunch of like um, dashboards out there that show how much Ethereum has been like burned or removed from circulation. Those are fun. You always feel yeah. like yeah, keep going down, make it more scarce. <laughs> Yeah, but technically, <laughs> actually, every, every every day, like Ethereum is actually reducing in um, how, how much circulation, how much Ethereum is in circulation. But again, that's yeah. a not longer conversation. Yeah, and it's all it's all important. Like, there's so much more to go into, but that's the idea of what it means to how complex it can be to run a successful blockchain project that involves a token, a coin, because there are plenty of different cryptocurrency projects out there, and it gets into these weeds is where you kind of have to do your research is like, how does it actually work and yeah. where is the value generated and how is it generated? Is it, is it set up in a way where everyone is winning or is it set up in a way where certain people win or the early people win? And it's difficult. It's hard to tell. And, and we're here to make sure that we give you the best information as possible the tastiest tidbits. <laughs> tastiest tidbits on what's going on in crypto. So that was the idea of the roles in of uh, miners and nodes. We definitely want to hear all your questions and you know, join our Discord, follow us on Twitter. Sheldon, do you have anything else to leave us off with? Uh, no, I think that's that's all I got. Oh, you've got <laughs> much, much more, but I know you're saving it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah no, I'm good for now. <laughs> <laughs> I'll see you, everyone. All right, see you, see you.